Welcome to the Truly Nourish Podcast. My name is Rebecca Laurel Hill. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and life wellness expert. This podcast has one mission, to help women break free from dieting and overeating patterns and transform how they nourish themselves in body, mind, and soul. Each episode, we dive into teachings and tools that will help you find more peace and freedom with food, more enjoyment living in and caring for your body, and more happiness and fulfillment in your life overall. Thank you for being here. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful friends. How are you today? I am having a fabulous day. I'm chilled. I'm relaxed. I'm enjoying the beautiful weather. It's perfect temperatures. The sun is out. It's a Sunday afternoon in September when I'm recording this. And savoring these days as the days get shorter and fall is coming and really just enjoying these perfect days that we get this time of year. And I hope wherever you are when you're listening to this, whatever you're doing, that you're savoring a little bit too. Because as a truly nourished woman, we savor life. Today we're talking about finding peace and ease in your relationship with food and essential practices that lead you there. So as you're listening, see which of these six is the biggest or most challenging one for you that you know you need to practice and embody more. And then I encourage you to make a decision to begin to focus on that one first, because what I find is When we can begin to improve our most challenge-prone areas, it helps improve other areas too. So the first practice is self-compassion and self-kindness. And this is very, very important, maybe the most important, because we cannot judge ourselves, we cannot scold ourselves, we cannot beat ourselves up for how we eat and also find peace with food. This is because if we're judging ourselves, we cannot get to know ourselves and then we cannot fully understand ourselves. And understanding ourselves on a deeper level, really understanding why we do the things we do, where they're coming from, how they're happening, is very much required for creating peace in our relationship with food. And just like any other relationship you have in your life with a person, for it to be a quality relationship that fulfills your needs, it has to include a lot of kindness, a lot of patience, a lot of understanding. So your relationship with yourself has to evolve to one that is kind and compassionate so that you can meet your own needs for yourself in this way. And When we know we won't abandon ourselves by self-judgment, by beating ourselves up mentally, when we know we can trust ourselves to be kind to ourselves and can trust that we can be human beings with errors and challenges and know that we don't have to be perfect and know that we can just be who we are and that we won't emotionally abandon ourselves, we build self-trust. 
And when we're working on changing our relationship with food, it is a process that has ups and downs. That is a natural part of the process of change. So in those down moments, which are the learning moments where you get to know yourself better, get to go in and try to understand yourself better, we have to be kind to ourselves so that we can then help ourselves better. Because if we're being really mean to ourselves, we're really not in the place to help ourselves. So in those challenging moments, when you feel like you're slipping up that whatever failure you think you're experiencing from yourself, you have to practice self-compassion so that you can have these moments be learning moments, which lead to uncovering key information and that information is what is going to lead you to be able to make improvements. And there's been a lot of research on self-compassion showing how it helps people to improve behaviors that they wish to improve and to also take on new challenges better. It's simply because self-compassionate individuals do not berate themselves when they fail, which means they're more able to see the mistakes that led up to a failure, so to speak. I don't really believe in failure, but for lack of a better word, they're better able to see mistakes that led up to the failure with neutrality. That's the key word. They're recognizing that, oh, I missed the mark, but they're not beating themselves up and judging themselves harshly for it. They're just seeing it as neutral. And because of that feeling of neutrality about mistakes or failures is there, they're better able to modify what are unproductive behaviors or patterns, which means real change in habits and behaviors can happen. And I know for myself with 100% certainty that practicing self-compassion and self-acceptance was essential in transforming my relationship with food. There were many times where I felt like things were shifting and improving, and then I would fall back into a stretch of an overeating pattern. But I never got angry with myself. Of course, I would have preferred it didn't happen, but I didn't get upset with myself, and I just kept telling myself this is part of the process, because it is, And I did what I could do to try to understand what was creating these overeating episodes from reoccurring. And I really focused deeply also on self-care in all the various forms. And through that, things kept improving and improving the more I did this. So self-compassion, self-kindness, especially in the moments where you want to judge yourself is super key to in those moments allow yourself to be neutral and be what I always uh, call a data collector in those moments collect the data what was going on what maybe was the trigger how did it unfold and start to get to know yourself better in those moments rather than just beat yourself up The next practice is releasing the dieting or what we can also just call the restriction of food. 
And I know I talk about this a lot, but that is because it is so essential in order to create a peaceful relationship with food. We really have to release all these ideas, all these beliefs that we might hold that restriction of food is the solution and answer to overeating problems. And I know this can be hard. It was for me. And even when we logically understand why it's not serving us to restrict and can understand how it harms our relationship with food and makes us a bit crazy when we restrict, still subconsciously for a while, we can tend to want to hold on to the idea that restriction will help keep us in control or that it will get us to where we want to go. But just know that as you practice intuitive eating and work with all the principles of intuitive eating, you start to give yourself more and more evidence that you can trust yourself more and don't need to forbid foods and that you can allow yourself any foods you like without overeating them or gaining weight from them. You start to create more and more evidence for yourself in this way. And I also just want to say that weight gain is really irrelevant when you're practicing being an embodied intuitive eater because sometimes what can happen when we release the restriction is that it is such a new concept to us to be able to eat what we like that we might eat more of certain foods for a while. But I've talked about this on past episodes where we have this process of habituation where eventually what was once forbidden and off limits and we really want to eat more of it all of a sudden, it just becomes the normal. It becomes habituated and we start to, over time, not want it as much. So for example, let's say cookies is a thing that you would never allow yourself or some sort of sweet or treat. And even though you really like it, uh, you just keep it out of the house. You never allow yourself to have it. You feel afraid of it because it is one of those foods that you always, always overeat. So in this process of releasing restriction, if you really, really want the cookies, you're going to allow yourself to have the cookies. And at the very beginning, maybe you will still overeat the cookies, but I guarantee you with time, that habituation does start to happen. And as you're practicing the other principles that are in intuitive eating, it will allow you to begin to not have to have that food. The food will begin to just be no big deal to you. Take it or leave it. It's just food. And you'll be able to eat a cookie and move on and no big deal. This does happen. It is a practice. It takes time. And everybody's journey is different, but just know that, you know, in those moments when maybe you are releasing the restriction and the scale goes up a little bit, it's no big deal because I promise you everything does balance out with time. And if you're truly dedicated to being this woman who is free, who is peaceful, who is at ease with food and in her body, and she's you know, moving into being that truly nourished woman in her life in every single way, this is just part of the process and it's so worth it, okay? But um, another thing I want to quickly mention about releasing restriction is that it's such a good feeling to go through this because you build this self-trust and feeling 
of peace around food, which is the whole theme of this episode, right? It's essential in, a, in being able to build that. So if we're not willing to release the restriction, if we're not willing to go into the place of discomfort of allowing ourselves the food because we're fearing the foods, if we're not willing to go there, we can never really get to that place of true peace with food. We can never really get to that place of building the self-trust and I truly want all of you to be able to experience that deep self, self-trust with food, that peace, that ease, that freedom, all those words that I love so much because that's truly how it feels. And that is the lived experience. And so because I want that all for you so much, that's why I'm going to talk about this nonstop and why I'm so passionate about teaching it. And I just want to say that if you've listened to the prior episodes I've done on restriction, um, or, or I should say if you have not, even if you have but you've forgotten or you have not listened to those episodes on restriction and this is completely a new concept to you, then be sure to go back and listen to primarily episodes 8 and 9 of this podcast specifically. The next practice is to honor your hunger. And this is a quick one to talk about because basically... If we are not honoring our biological hunger and if we're getting over hungry, over hungry, ravenous, our primal brain, our lower part of our brain that is where survival is triggered, that will happen and we will go into survival mode if we're getting over hungry. And when we're in that mode, we have this strong urge to eat a lot It's an animalistic primal instinct. And in this state, it's very difficult to feel our fullness cues. And it's also very difficult to honor those fullness cues. So this very basic principle of eating when you're biologically hungry and not getting over hungry is a foundational part of rebuilding trust with yourself and then creating peace in your relationship with food. The next practice is giving yourself that unconditional permission to eat. So this relates to releasing the restriction and the diet mentality, but more specifically, giving yourself the unconditional permission to eat the foods that you really, really like. You don't have to give yourself unconditional permission to eat everything. Of course, you don't have to eat the foods you don't like. But if there's foods that you really love and that you've not been allowing yourself and you've been missing in your life, that's what this is about. It's about allowing yourself to have those foods and not making any sort of judgment about it as good or bad, right or wrong. So it's time to break all the rules that perhaps you've been imposing on yourself that you've learned from diet culture. And the core reason for this is is that food rules or what we also call the mental restriction of food, all of that leads to feelings of lack and deprivation. And this feeling of lack, this feeling of not being able to have, this feeling of I can't have, leads to all sorts of mental stress and anxiety from the idea that some foods are bad, some foods are dangerous or forbidden or wrong. And because of that feeling of stress and also deprivation, this way of thinking, having food rules, 
causes our brains to come up with all sorts of tricks and games to get us to eat the food anyway. And this can look like I better eat it while I can. It's this last supper overeating that can happen because we have the belief that I can't have the food, I have to restrict the food. So, or I'm going to be starting over on Monday, or I'm going to be getting on this diet or this weight loss plan, and I can't have this food on on the weight loss plan, so I better eat it while I can before I start restricting it again. And that definitely leads to overeating or binging types of behaviors. There's the other trick that our brain plays on us. It's like the, oh, what the heck? I already broke the rule or I fell off the restriction wagon. So I'm just going to eat it and maybe eat it all and just be done with it and start over. And these are some of the most common ways our brain will trick us to get out of that deprivation that it feels. But there are many other more subtle ways it can look too. But basically, and I won't go into all those right now, but basically the way that you know if you are eating from rules or restrictions and not giving yourself the unconditional permission to eat what you like is because you will eat a food and then experience guilt after you eat it or you'll eat a certain way and feel guilt for eating that way. And you will likely experience um, other feelings perhaps such as just fear or anxiety about what you ate or the way that you're eating. And then to get away from these uncomfortable feelings after eating, we will typically make a vow or commitment to change in some way or do better in some way, start over tomorrow, however it looks, by restricting again, holding back again, not allowing again. And then the cycle goes on and the overeating happens again in the same way or in a different way and the cycle just perpetuates. So the only way to stop this cycle is letting go of all the rules and just eating what you really want to eat. And I realize that this can feel terrifying, especially if you've really been a serious restrictor, serious dieter, but it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It's the only way to create true and lasting peace in your relationship with food. And the process can be made less terrifying. And this is a big part of coaching when I work with clients is supporting people through this process. And once You let go of the rules, though. You are finally able to get out of your head and back into your body and become an intuitive eater who is learning to eat through cues and through body signals and experiences of satisfaction because, once again, you're able to tune into it a lot better. You're able to hear it a lot better. You're able to respond to it a lot better because you're able to access your inner cues because you're not all upstairs in the chatter in your head about food rules and can't have this and better eat that sort of thinking. And the other thing is when a person starts to practice this, they experience not only that deeper connection with their body to begin to allow their body be their expert guide, which it is, they also experience increased satisfaction with the food that they choose to eat. And with that satisfaction naturally comes this heightened feeling of peace and ease. And the brain starts to see that the food 
won't be taken away again. It will always be there, sort of like I was talking about earlier, the habituation process that happens. The brain realizes, oh, she's not going to restrict this food again. This food is always available to me if I want it. I can have it. So the brain and the mind relax and becomes less focused on food. And when we are less focused on food in our mind, food really loses its power over us. It just becomes food. It becomes something that we enjoy when we're hungry and when we're, it's time to have a meal. But it's no longer the obsession. It's no longer the fear. It's no longer the anxiety. It's no longer the constant rumination in your head about what to eat, what not to eat, when to eat, when not to eat, all that sort of stuff. It just begins to go away. The next practice that is so important is releasing negative self-talk. So this relates to the self-compassion one, but I want to mention it specifically because negative self-talk can be so habitual, such a pattern, and it can also be so sneaky that we don't even realize what we're saying to ourselves. We don't realize that we're saying all these negative things to ourselves in our mind. So what I want to emphasize here as a first step is to begin to just observe your thinking. Listen to the chatter in your mind and notice how you talk to yourself in your mind. And you first might feel a feeling of guilt or worry or anger or frustration with regard to food. You might feel something first, like you feel this uncomfortable feeling with regard to food, or maybe you're frustrated in some way about your eating or about food, or you might hear yourself think, I have to, or I should, or I better. These are all just signals, whether it's the feelings or it's these little phrases of should or better or have to. These are all signals that some form of negative self-talk is happening. And then this is the moment to observe what those stories are, what those thoughts are about food that your mind is telling you. And then the next step is to challenge them when you're aware of maybe this negative story that you're telling yourself. The next thing to do is to see if you can challenge it to basically create a different argument or perspective that is counter to it. So you want to open up your mind in this moment to see things differently and to look at all the other possibilities and choose to... Um, see it differently and change the thoughts into something that supports you better, that puts you more at ease, that just feels better, that encourages you. There's always a different thing, story, perspective that we can speak to ourselves that helps us in that moment to encourage us, to empower us, to help us feel better. So it's very important because when we change our beliefs, which is what we're going to be doing by noticing our self-talk, hearing these negative stories that are just not serving us, that are only causing problems for us, and switching them to newer, different perspectives that are equally true, but just not as practiced for us, willing to see things differently about how we eat, such as... I. You know, you could take something, I overate and I'm never going to change and I overate and 
I'm a failure. These are all examples of negative self-talk. Well, maybe it's I overate and that's okay. I'm learning and I grow and I'm growing. Or maybe it's I overate and that's okay because it showed me I I realized that by reflecting on it that it happened for this reason. Oh, that's important information. Or, or it's I overate and that's okay because I'm committed to change and I know I'll get there. These are all equally true as the other negatives. So it's the willingness to shift your perspective and that's essentially changing a belief. And this is so important because when we change our beliefs, our feelings and behaviors will also change too. It's like a chain reaction. And I specifically talk about this in, in, in detail in my book, It's Just Food, which you can find either, there's a link on my website or um, in the podcast show notes. But I, if you want to know more specifically about that, I do talk about it in detail there. So to change our behavior with food, we have to change so many of the beliefs we hold about food and about our eating first. So that's why noticing negative self-talk, noticing these negative stories we have with regard to food, with, with regard to our eating, also with regard to our body, I'll just say that as well. Changing all these negative stories is, once again, so important because it does create that chain-like effect where we start to feel differently. And then when we start to feel differently, we start to do differently too with our behaviors. The last important practice is body respect. To have peace in your relationship with food, it is really absolutely essential to shift how you currently think about your body. Otherwise, that constant body worry will create food worry and that will drive you to want to go back into dieting sorts of thinking or dieting sorts of practices and behaviors and restrict. And that will just keep you struggling, once again, in your relationship with food. Now, you really don't have to love your body. You really don't have to even like your body. But you do have to come to a place of accepting that this is my body and I'm going to give it respect. I'm going to choose to respect it no matter what, because this is the body that I was blessed with. This is the body that moves me around the earth. This is the body that allows me to experience my life. I am going to choose to respect it. So it's shifting to, I have this body and I can give it my respect, even though I don't maybe like my body. Maybe when I look in the mirror, I don't like what I see. I can respect it and I will no longer fight with it. I will no longer no longer harshly judge it. I will no longer say shameful things to it or berate it or say all sorts of mean things. I will no longer compare it to other bodies. I will no longer degrade it with the way I think about it. I will now give my body my respect, which simply means treating it with dignity and meeting its basic needs. And if you can, if you can even move into appreciating your body for what it does for you, that is wonderful. But if you can't, just start with a willingness, a willingness to try to respect it more and more. Practicing body respect decreases your mental and emotional stress, and that will increase your inner peace naturally, 
And that increase in inner peace will directly create more peace in your relationship with food and in your eating. And that body respect and that greater feeling of peace also leads to improved self-care in every single way, which means you start to feel better too. And when you're practicing good self-care, you just feel better and you show up better for yourself. You show up more empowered in lots of ways in your life just by making a decision to stop hating your body and to respect it instead. So I hope you found that episode helpful. Those really are core essential practices to getting to that place of having true peace in your relationship with food. And if you want my help and guidance to create changes in any of these areas, just know that I'm always here for you. And just know that you can have that peaceful relationship with food. You can become an embodied intuitive eater who is feeling free from food fears, who is free from the restrictions and the dieting types of patterns, who is confident and self-trusting with food, who is enjoying food, who is savoring food like it's meant to be savored in life, who is eating in tune with her body. She's in partnership with her body and feeling more empowered at ease and happy in your body. That is what I'm here to help you do. And some coaching spots are still available if you are interested in feeling called to play in that world with me. Thank you so much for being here. I love being here with you. And until next time, sending you so much love. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and written review for the show. And if you can please share this podcast so that I can help more women, that would mean the world to me. Feel free to tag me on Instagram so that I can say thank you. Let's all rise and change the world by living as truly nourished women together. If you want to work with me, head to my site, RebeccaLaurelHill.com, or send me a direct message on socials and I'll be in touch. See you on the next episode. Much love to you.